Hi guys, welcome to the Nevermind Poly Podcast. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and this is episode either 127 or 128, I can't remember off the top of my head, but in any case, um, we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world, and this week we are chatting to Torsten and Jamie of the band God is National. Torsten, have I got your name correct? You have indeed, yes, Torsten, that's it. Oh, honestly, that was the most stressful thing, like, I'm rubbish at pronouncing things normally, but welcome to the podcast, so we all, are we both okay? Yeah, we're doing good, thank, thank you. Nice to be here. Awesome. Thank you guys for taking the time. It, um, it genuinely really means a lot. Um, so the new, well, I say the new album, the re-recording of the debut. Um, I want to start kind of with that because it's for me personally, I mean, I'm a music fan at heart. You know, I do this as a, as a side thing as well as being a music fan. But when you see bands perform older tracks live, like so seeing yourselves um the songs you recorded 20 years ago are not the same songs they are now because of the way things are you perform slightly differently there's slightly variations and things what was the kind of reason behind going back to to your debut and sort of not tinkering but going back to that point um i think first of all it was our 20 year anniversary and mm-hmm. we wanted to, for sure uh, you know in a way celebrate that 20 year anniversary and uh, at the time with the covid thing you know there wasn't possible for us to do to launch too many gigs and stuff like that so we didn't know what what was in store so we decided to do the live version in uh, in the lane recording studios in dublin mm-hmm. uh, we had when we started myself and nails back in 2002 we had really only kind of more of a i guess a electronic dj kind of setup with akai samplers and keyboards there wasn't really too much live performances we had to kind of sample and then loop them and stuff like that mm-hmm. over the years it's become more of a band uh, experience it's completely a band now so we obviously had reinterpret those songs even as early as back as 2005 2004 in a different way and yeah. they were very very different not very different, but they're a good bit different than than the versions that you would hear on the record. So we thought it might be an idea to, to capture those performances that we've, you know, songs like From Dust and Beyond has become one of the big live songs, but it's very, very different than the versions that were on the record. So we decided that maybe it was a good idea to capture it for our 20-year anniversary. It was never our intention to replace the end of the beginning. That was one thing that I felt very strong about because what we wanted to do it had to be live it, it couldn't be an experience where we're going to go in and over double line here and there that that was going to going to break my rules it it, it, it had it literally had to be a live version of those songs and we definitely stuck very very hard I, I mean the idea was if the performance wasn't right we do it all again but it had to be all in the room all at one go so that was the idea of it um apart from that um i always had wondered what the end of the beginning might have sounded like had we had the same technology that we had when we made All This Violent, All This Bright. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't know is a lot of All This Violent, All This Bright was written exactly at the same time as the end of the beginning. Um, I would say nearly oh, okay. 70% of the songs were written at the same time. We just decided to split them up. Is At the time, we actually thought the end of the beginning had the stronger material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we decided to shelve some of the songs like Forever Lost and, and even When Everything Dies. All those were written at that time. We felt there was maybe too many piano songs on in beginning and wanted just to leave it at that. So we always had wondered, 
due to the success of All Is Wine and All Is Bright, what would it have sounded like had we recorded as a band more than as an electronic kind of, uh, you know, setup? And I guess now you can, maybe it's 20 years too late, who knows, but at least people get to hear it now and, and, and have an idea of what it does sound like. And I think it, it, it's really going down well. People do like it. It's not new material, of course, but it, this is the other thing. While we were off during the whole COVID thing, we did change our sound. We, myself and Jamie and I went back to live amplifiers and uh, pedals and guitars. We had been using Axe Effects. And even when we made the end of the beginning, we had only had like a Boss SE70 guitar amp simulator. So it was interesting to see, could you, it was just kind of part of the thing. If I change our sound completely, could you still go back and apply that new sound to old material? Because that's part of the identity comes from there. So I said to myself, let's go back and do all the songs from Far From Refuge all the way back to the end of the beginning with the amps and pedals. And it all sounds better. So we were even more excited to basically go back. And we did, uh, we actually did a few live songs, Jamie, didn't we have even one of the Opium Rooms in Dublin? Of yeah, it was actually, that, that was one of the great things that we um, that we did, as Torsten mentioned, to kind of stay active over the lockdown is that we, we mm. were rehearsing quite a lot as well, just to stay sane. Mm -hmm, absolutely uh, we also went into uh, a venue in dublin city called opium and mm -hmm. we recorded uh, we'd actually did a live stream um mm -hmm. of a lot of the songs so it was a great way to kind of rehearse them in a live context um, and also produce some sort of content to be able to showcase during the lockdown just to kind of keep us both sane and active and i think um, what yeah go on sorry don't go on just don't just green you go on go on you're all right yeah, no, I was, I was saying that what, what we wanted to do was learn off all the back catalogue off with, with mm. this. We have nearly like, don't forget, most of the time you'd have maybe say 20 songs learnt off, you know, and then you'd pick what you want from it. But this time we had 60 or 70 songs. We, we learned all of them off, even songs we'd never played before, like Shores of Orion. So we literally got a huge catalogue of stuff. And it was Neil's idea at the time, let's do since we've learned so much of the stuff off, let's just turn it into a, into a live album, the, you know, the Oz Violence live and then the, and the beginning live album, which we ended up called beginning of the end. And uh, yeah, we're really happy with how we interpret it. We never played Lost Symphony before live and different songs like that. But yeah, I, I think it's, it was good for everybody to, to kind of get that down. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that idea that you say that you've, You've got such a wealth of catalogue and you you guys are obviously a post-metal band so there's a lot to i got into you guys around sort of four to five years ago i have a friend who i, I trust instinctively when it comes to music and he said you need to back and again um sort of like prog and post-rock is sort of things i'm a i'm a thrash guy uh, by <laughs> so it's kind of like is it instantaneous in three minutes no okay we'll give it a go but at the same time given it time and space it really seeps and in, into you and it's really really cool um obviously you touched a little bit on a little bit over the covid situation and things i don't want to dwell on too much because i'm kind of over the whole discourse over it to be honest but how did you guys kind of obviously with record did you guys all um get on with that i guess over yeah. in ireland I think, you know, it's funny, Every everybody is sort of sick of talking about COVID, but at, at, the, same, at the same time, in the same breath, it is but a distant memory, you know, it, 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 we think we're all pretty much getting, re-familiarizing ourselves with how to, you know, do live shows and um, but as I said, one of the one of the main things that myself, Torson, and, and Lloyd all collectively kind of came uh, together and agreed upon was that we would at least once, sometimes twice a week, we'd get together and we'd rehearse. 
But even that in and of itself was quite difficult because in Ireland at the time, they had put bans on where you were allowed to travel to. So you're only allowed to travel within five kilometers of your home. But it was became problematic because I might. So we're, we're currently in the studio, which is based in County Wicklow in Ireland, mm-hmm. um, which is underneath Dublin. Right. Uh, OK. Sure. It, it's, it's about, a, you know, it's only about a 30 minute drive, but it's, it's, it's a lot farther than 5K away. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) At the time, if you were even driving to the shops, you know, you were stopped by a policeman and he would ask you where you were going and what you were doing. So taking um, taking the journey from Dublin to Wicklow was a bit of a risk. Um, luckily we found we can definitely say it now because it's all over thankfully but we yeah absolutely <laughs> we, we sort of dot we found this loophole that said if you were if you were streaming or if you were if you're broadcasting live you were allowed to travel beyond the 5k so we sort of we we took that little bit of information and we sort of pretend we're well, not pretending because we were rehearsing for something that was going to be streamed live so there was a little it was a little bit of a gray area there was degrees of truth to it but neil yeah. still up uh a really official looking letter, you know, and, and, and you know, proper worded it really formally. And, and uh, he sent it around to all of us. We printed it out in the in the very likely event that we were stopped and, and uh, questioned as to our, you know, where we were going. Luckily, it never actually happened, but uh, we were protected. But, um, you know, for a lot of bands, well, for every band, you know, you know, COVID prevented us from touring. Um, yeah. That's kind of like really like when it boils down to it that's what that's the bread and butter for every band you know gone are the days where you can just put out a really good record and you can all sit back and make money like bands are forced to to, to tour and they look we, we really enjoy touring and we're very fortunate that we have a very loyal following around europe and and all over the world and we're very grateful for that um but you know it was artistically and also for our mental health and and, and just you know our 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 ability to stay sane we, we said we had to play music we had to vote record versions like what we're discussing today the beginning of the end we did the the live all is violence and we did quite a lot of writing during that time as well i think we so, recorded ghost tapes as well during yeah. that time as well so we were very lucky in the sense that we took a situation that was kind of pretty 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 negative collectively you know all over the world it was a really really negative situation but we're very grateful because the extra time allowed us to kind of come together as a band and produce um, a lot of new material content and really get tight. I mean, at the start of the lockdown, my, my personally, my my um, my piano playing was definitely not not where it needed to be to go out and do a live tour. So I kind of I I, I used the time wisely and I, and I kind of got to that state where I could I'd be happy to go out and perform again. We we had this um, idea in my head where I was saying to myself, "What's going to happen when this is all over?" You know, because yeah, sure. Brexit kicking in and all this stuff coming in at the same time. And I was kind of, I knew in my, in my gut that we had to hit the ground running when it came back. And the back of my mind, I also knew when gigs do come back, people were saying, Oh, everybody's going to go to your shows and it's going to be, they can't wait to see gigs. I knew that was not going to be the case because what was going to happen was you were going to have everybody Mm. essentially coming out at the same time. And, have very little money to and, and and time to go to all the gigs so yeah. that was part of my plan and the guy's plan to try and put as much content as we could up on youtube of us doing streaming gigs and just try to advertise as much as we could about what we do live and we work so much so hard on on really improving the live sound and i'm really, really proud of what we've achieved over that time which we could never have done had uh brexit uh, not brexit sorry the uh, covid had happened um yeah. But when we came back, all our shows were sold out 
and Amazing. a lot yeah. of everybody else's shows weren't. So I kind of put that down to the fact that we we were very conscious of that at the beginning, knowing that if we really didn't push ourselves hard, that why should they go to your show? Why shouldn't they go to somebody else's show? So I think we're, we did really good job of trying to publicize and keep active as possible. And a lot of our contemporaries, unfortunately, haven't. And I feel sorry for, for those guys who haven't mentioned any names, but you've got to mm-hmm. keep active and turn and just keep busy all the time. Keep the wheel turning. Absolutely, absolutely. And and what with, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, you name the streaming platform, any, any of you like, there's literally everything all of the time. So it, it, it's a matter of standing out from the crowd as well as obviously performing as a, as a live act and being on the top of your game. Gen- so yeah, I do, um, if it's okay with you guys, I like to kind of go back to sort of your beginnings as, as musical I'd say musical creatures then as musical people um because I think everybody's got a story and how did you guys um from from Ireland again I've never been to Ireland so I don't know exactly sort of where you guys are based how big or small that place may be how did you kind of what were your beginnings in terms of getting into music and things um let me just say uh, well I'll probably have to go back to to my beginnings are obviously different than Jamie so then of course absolutely yeah, yeah I started back um well I get well. I was born in, in 1976, so we kind of grew up through, through the 80s. And my father showed initially my brother Niels how to play guitar and bass. Taught my father was a musician, and uh, I picked up the the bass first, believe it or not. And uh, we nice. were a couple of rock bands and different stuff like that. Didn't work out, and we went into an electric electronic project. Then after that, in the in the kind of mid 90s, and. I think we had tried to always shop for the record deal at the time because, you know, there was no internet or anything at that point. And the idea was to try and get a record deal and you'd send your CDs or your tapes off to, to these A&R guys. And, and it, it was never really right. And you kind of, at this point, you're playing the game of what you think they want, you know, and that was the wrong question. It's not what they want. It's what you want. It's what we learned very late. Like it was maybe 29 when I figured to myself, Hey, Maybe we shouldn't care what they want and let's mix up we want. And, yeah. and then Niels was saying, what do you think we should do? Was well, get rid of the vocals, first of all. But, you know, mm-hmm. we don't enjoy listening to the stuff with the vocals in it. Just, just, just. So we had a publishing deal at the time uh, with Pure Music and uh, I remember giving them the first draft of The End of the Beginning and they uh, didn't know what to make of it. They were saying, really? well, yeah, for sure. when, when's the singer coming in? I said, no, that's <laughs> There is no singer. That's mm. it. And he thought we were a bunch of idiots. I remember leaving that day and he completely washed his hands essentially of the whole project. And uh, we didn't even, we didn't, we thought that was the end. We were essentially finished, to be honest. We, we just, at least we put something out that we liked and we don't care at the moment. If, if that's all we have to show for our music career, at least we had something that we made that we liked. And it just started to snowball essentially by itself initially by a friend of mine. He used to go to, he used to, go to school with called Connor Glennon. And uh, he, he, he somehow took over the, uh, the drive time show on 2FM, which is the, the main station here. And he kept playing our songs. Nice. And uh, it, it really started to work. People started to like it. And then we got one or two gigs and people started showing up. And we started, you know, posting a couple of things to, you know, around to college radio in the States and stuff like that. And when we did the All Is Violent thing, that's when we really started posting like a lot of stuff outside the country. Ireland was kind of closed shop for us in many ways. You could get a certain amount of opportunities, but then the rest of it's closed. And it's it's very clicky here in Ireland. I'm, I'm sure it's like that everywhere, but Ireland was particularly clicky and we weren't really, 
we're kind of kept on the outside. It's hard to explain. Yeah, uh, no, for sure. You're right. Yeah. We we uh, we persevered and we kept on just pushing it and we found an audience outside the country. Mm. And uh, I remember Neil saying to me, it was probably about 2004 at some point, Neil says, you know, there's a site called Last FM, there's over 500,000 plays or whatever on this thing that people actually like, like what we're doing. And we noticed that, you know, this was the infancy of the internet as well. And, and it, there was a good kind of buzz about the band and it, it snowballed from there. Lloyd had joined the band just uh, 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 about 2004 as well. And uh, it was the first kind of departure from the electronic sound more to a live band. And from there, it kind of naturally felt better to do guitars and bass and maybe less of the synths. And uh, I kind of pushed it more towards the guitar end of things until Jamie joined, which was mm-hmm. kind of 2010, Jay, was it? Yeah, 2010. Um, I joined in 2010, and initially I was I was um, I was sort of re- recruited to do uh, a live studio performance in a place called RTE in Dublin. Um, and I had been quite a quite a you know enthusiastic fan of the band up until that point. Um, so yeah. I honored, I was absolutely honored to be to be brought in and called upon. I kind of knew a lot of the the material anyway. Um, we all kind of knew of each other um a few of us went to the same school in dublin as well i was a few years behind and also our front house engineer went to the same school so uh it's 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 all it's all it's 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 an interesting kind of lineage because the the front of house engineer is also his older brother is the drummer lloyd in the band so we kind of knew we knew of each other that way um and then after that you know i obviously came on board full time and we really started uh really started sort of putting the work in as far as touring and, and, and really over the years, just put, you know, the groundwork developing a, a loyal following over the years. My, my, my kind of background is, is it's similar. It's actually really interesting. Both myself, Nielsen Torsten, our fathers and, and, and Lloyd, actually, they were all involved in the, uh, the show band scene in Ireland back in the sixties. So right. my, my father, Derek Dean and, and the, the, the guy's father, Tommy, they would have known each other. They would have been friends back, you know, back in the day. So fast forward, however many years here we are there, you know, the, the sons are, are in a band of their own, you know. Um, so it, it is quite interesting. I was always for me growing up, I, I never really I, I've always had sort of difficulty focusing on things that I'm not passionate about and investing time into things that. I don't see as um, useful or productive. And for me, music was even from 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 nine or ten years of age. Whenever I got my first keyboard, I I, I kind of it was the first thing I really became infatuated with, truly obs- obsessed with. Um, and I spent hours and hours and hours playing this terrible keyboard. It was like this toy keyboard thing it was awful, but uh, it did something. It took me away from the kind of erratic noise um, that you typically be kind of faced with and i and i always found a great comfort in performing and in, in, in composing and you know it's just it, it is it's an honor really to be to be in a position now where um we're we're you know we're traveling around the world and, and we're playing you know to, to enthusiastic fans it, it, it truly is something that i i'll always be grateful for to be honest absolutely absolutely i love i love that um so just on terms of the live front um so my, again my, my friend um who got me into into you guys um went to TechFest um, in the UK this year, uh, which obviously you guys headlined. How was that as a, as a headline performance? And obviously I know you do various places around around, around the globe, but um, yeah, just a little bit of home UK pride, is it so to speak? <laughs> so how did, you, how did you find the show? 
the experience there was inc- was incredible because obviously as far as tech is is concerned tech that kind of technical music um none of us in, in the band are, are, would be overly proficient from a technical perspective it's not really where we invest a lot of our time and our focus and um, that said we have a lot of like admiration and, and respect for for people who who can kind of sweep like that and multi-finger tapping and all that stuff and at tech fest obviously these guys were a dime a dozen they were they were really really impressive um, so truthfully, the, the honest truth going into that festival was we we all kind of we weren't overly concerned or anything, but we did have a conversation that kind of sounded like, Jesus, these guys are serious fucking guitarists. <laughs> For sure. Um, so but but we were we were confident in what we were doing um, and we were hoping that it would sit well with the kind of more tech audience. Um, but we were, you know, we, we, we got really good, positive reviews after that performance. And I think we. Um, yeah, it, it really meant a lot to us to go to a festival like that, full of such uh, proficient musicians, and to to get such positive reviews. Yeah, so it was it was a really really good experience. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it was kind of a case we knew that we were the novelty act uh, of this mm. festival, and uh, I mean, probably some of the best musicians you'll ever see were were certainly at that festival. And uh, but they were doing something very different to us. You know, a lot of them, it was again. A lot of it was based, the music was there to showcase their ability on the instruments. Mm-hmm. We had a reverse uh, kind of psychology on it where we were there to showcase the music. And we also were confident in our approach, which was, again, back to old school amps turned up forward. A lot of these guys were on Kempers and Axe Effects, and we, we've used that technology in the past. I also feel something gets lost with that equipment because when people go to a show, they don't want to hear a CD up loud. They want to hear something coming at you that's raw and real. It's something you can't recreate on record. And that's mm-hmm. basically what we've been focusing on. And uh, I was very happy. I, I, re- I think people really understood it because you're getting so much of the other stuff that I think, it, you know, because we were a novelty act, I think it did go down pretty well. And uh, again, we were absolutely honored to be a part of a festival like that. And again, I'd recommend anybody that hasn't been to the tech festival. If you want to see some of the best musicians in the world, just, just turn up to that festival. Cause I'm telling you that it's, it's some of those guys. I mean, it must take absolute countless hours to be able to play the guitar like that. So full respect to those guys. But at the end of the day, for us, we, we focus definitely more on the music and more so on on, on the emotion of, of the songs and just for us trying to communicate our feelings through the music more than technical stuff. But again, full respect to, to those groups. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so as as you as you sort of alluded to there, I, I do think you guys are what you would call a um, traditional band in the sense of it is just amps, key, like keyboards, drums, and you just you just got it all there in front of you. It's none of this other, you know, modern technology is fantastic. It can do a lot of things for you, but at the same time, nothing beats for, for people just in a room together. And I think the, the album, um, the beginning of the end is, is a real showcase of what you can do when you just put four like-minded individuals together and say, let's do a record. And that was 20 years ago. So even now re-recording it live is kind of like, like I say, like I sort of alluded to at the beginning, it's kind of the ebbs and flows of how things change over time, um, which is really, really cool. Um, I kind of want to ask, wanted to ask you guys as well, just about some, I think, again, I think it's really fun and kind of nice that bands get to sort of interact with other bands and stuff at festivals and whatnot. 
has there been any sort of surprises with someone you've met, so a super famous musician where you've just gone, they are so down to earth. Is there someone who you want to give a sort of a mention to that you've really took you sort of by surprise or been starstruck in that regard? Like one comes to mind always is Robert Smith from The Cure. Um, mm. Just the most down to earth person. It just most genuine lover of music that I have ever seen in my life. Mm. This is a guy, I'm telling you, the minute we were playing in a festival, it wasn't a festival, it was there, it was, it was part of the, the Cure show in Romania. Mm -hmm. They were watching all the groups that were opening, all of them. Yeah. And he's not, you know, if you were saying like, okay, I'm going to have a look at this band, maybe spend five minutes and walk off. He was just intrigued looking at every single band that was playing. And when we were playing, I, I, he was there and I was thinking, God, what, I don't want to look back in case he goes away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but he stayed yeah. the entire show, and he wanted to talk to us later. And he was really fascinated with our music, and uh, just full respect to, to to Robert Smith. I'm I'm just saying, literally, you couldn't meet a nicer person. And and his and his performance that night was incredible. The singing that he, I mean, I've just never seen him perform that good. So. To me, Robert Smith comes straight to mind. Um, apart from that, we've played with many, many bands. I remember playing with Mud Honey years ago. They were at lovely. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I can't think of any other off the top of my head at the moment. I, mean, I uh, I'm not going to tell the story because it's not openly appropriate. But I did meet Josh Homme, <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age, once, and let's just Amazing. say, with that, yeah, I mean, I love his music, and he is a huge influence. In growing up, I was, I, you know, I grew up listening to his music, but unfortunately. Thorsten has a very positive experience with Robert Smith. I had a very negative experience with Josh Homme, unfortunately. But um, look, you know, you can separate the the people from the art, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's the thing, you know, I've, I've been in a very privileged position. I've done this podcast for two years. And luckily, there's only been on a handful of occasion where people have just been, what I think the industry word is difficult. But again, people have bad days, people have off days. So it, it happens. Um in terms of moving forward with you guys, uh, I suppose touring is is the of the agenda now. The world is kind of open and free to play. And um, what what is sort of the plans moving forward? Just touring more and and getting things out there. Or what's what's your plans? We actually have quite a lot going on at the moment. To be honest, we well, obviously this year has been we've had quite a hectic touring schedule because we've been honouring you know what two and a half years of postponed shows. So it's been. We're, we're, we're coming towards the finish line for the 2022 campaign. We still have a number of shows in Germany and that's to, to complete and Modern Culture Festival in France next month. Um, on top of that, we're writing a new Goddess Nastart record. Um, I'm currently writing some music under my own name. Um, nice. Two or three singles at this point. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, yeah, and we're just kind of constantly writing and, and thinking of what the next step is. So there, there are a few shows booked in for next year already. Um, and that'll only continue to sort of grow over the next few months. But yeah, I think Torsen is doing a number of projects as well. He's like, this this man is the busiest man you'll ever talk to. He <laughs> has a habit of, I don't know how he does it, but he can do a hundred things at once. It's just sheer levels uh, of, I'll have of to drive that I've... Free my schedule up a bit, but, yeah. I, but I, what I'm working on is the new Butterfly Explosion uh, record. Butterfly Explosion were uh, very popular group and i've lost my video it's fine don't worry carry on i can you were still going it's fine you're right carry on yeah so <laughs> we're a, a, a shoegaze band from ireland who were kind of very active on the early 2000s and released it took a while but i, I recorded their album in 2010 and this is going to be the follow-up album many years later and uh so that's going to come out early next year working on also 
uh, an acoustic ambient kind of project called Echo Tal and uh, with uh, David Rooney who's a neighbor. And also I'm very excited to be working with Jamie, uh, helping and record, produce his next uh, couple. We're going to do a kind of a sequence of singles to put out there. So there's two of them out already. And if you haven't heard them, definitely do check them out. It's uh, I think they're really good. So Jamie Dean, you can check it on the Instagram and check it out also on Spotify. And uh, yeah, that's what we're what we're doing. And apart from that, working on a brand new album. And um, I think we're about th- three songs that we kind of have that are solid. And there's another one in, in the pipeline that we're working. So we're going to continue to write when it's finished. It's finished. We're not going to um, we're not going to rush it because again, we want to make sure that the next album is something fresh, something new, stylistically, and then musically. Hopefully, the best stuff that we've written as well. So that's that's always our objective. Absolutely, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Um, I apologise that I've had technical issues left, right, and centre. <laughs> um, I, I have um, one final question. I ask every guest. I've been gracious enough to take their time on this podcast. And I'm going to ask you each separately, what is the best thing about being in a band? Um, for me, it's it's not just, I've been in a few different bands over, over my career, but, you know, it's the being in God as an astronaut is a completely different experience. It's like four, you know, four guys that have a dynamic when the four of us come together. It's a very special dynamic that I have n- I have never experienced before so I think first of all it, it it's finding musicians that you creatively can connect with um and 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 secondly I would say that the 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 you know the, the whole experience of traveling the world it's, it's a great way to see places myself and Torsten within the best of our ability when we are abroad we uh we we try to stay on top of fitness so we prioritize that quite a lot you know because it is all interlinked you know if you um sure you're sitting around and, and not really getting any exercise at all for me. And I, and I, I can probably speak for Torsten as well. We, we feel like the show at least mentally doesn't go as well as it does versus when you're, you put in a 30, 45 minute run before, before the gig. So we, uh, we go for runs around the city, whatever city we're in, and it's a wonderful way to experience the place. And um, so that would be for me. Torsten will probably have, have something different to say, but definitely, uh, you know, spending time with the guys expressing creativity and seeing the world. It was when I mean, what more could you ask for? Absolutely. The dream. <laughs> For me, it's kind of um, it gives you a sense of purpose, you know, to play music and to uh, when you wake up in the morning and, you know, you kind of look forward to, 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 you know, writing some music or, you know, having something to do that, that you know, that keeps you busy and keeps you occupied. The, the guys that we have in the band, everybody's is, is best of friends and everybody's really on the same page. We all really enjoy each other's company and it feels I don't want to say a holiday because it is really tough work still touring, but everybody really, you know, is happy to be there. And we kind of feel very comfortable, uh, you know, with each other. And uh, we enjoy really playing places where, you know, if we, we were just in Italy recently there just to be able to play in front of all those people. And it's it, for us, it's just like it's you're kind of living the dream in those moments. You know, there's obviously just really tough parts of the of the music scene as well. It's not always fun, but um, overall, it still feels productive to me and it shapes who we are as people at this point. If you took music away from, from me personally, I don't know what I would be. I don't know what I would be doing. I don't think I would be as happy as I am. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it creates fulfillment for me and and uh, definitely for me, I, I, it's made me very happy and it's, it keeps me uh, looking forward to the future. 
that is the perfect perfect answer the perfect well, there's no there's no right or wrong answer but that is absolutely beautiful both of you thank you so much for taking the time um we're gonna do the quote-unquote fake goodbye and then i'll speak to you real quick but um yeah this has been the nevermind poly podcast with torsten and jamie of the band gods and that is an astronaut we're nearly there we're nearly there for the finish line we can get there <laughs> um their album, The Beginning of the End, which is a live recording of the 20th uh, year anniversary of the of the debut album, is out everywhere now. A handful of dates remain for 2022, I'm, I'm assuming. The, the gentlemen are nodding at me <laughs> in agreement. So go and catch them live. Stream the album, buy the album, buy the record, buy a t-shirt. We will see you next time. Peace. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.